Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, the Penguins coming off a 2-1 overtime loss last night to the Tampa Bay Lightning when they had a chance to climb within two points of the Washington Capitals. They are now three points behind. They're still getting closer and closer. Um, But let me just say, I would sign me up for seven games of Penguins-Lightning in the playoffs, especially when both teams are fully healthy. Of course, the Penguins were without the services of Dumoulin and Marino, Bukestad, Cahoon, and then the Lightning actually lost Sorelli and Kucherov this game. It looks like they might not even play uh, for their next game going forward. And, of course, they did not have Steven Stamkos as well. So they were without two of their best players. The fact that they were were able to win that game, um, I was a bit surprised considering, you know, they got into Pittsburgh at – what, I don't know, 1, 2 a.m., and then they had to play again, go to overtime. And um, let me just say, about that overtime, I don't know how the Penguins didn't win that game, folks. Uh, just you just dominating in the overtime for the whole first two and a half minutes, like basically the first half of the overtime. And then, of course, when Tampa gets their first uh, couple chances, and it goes in. So um, that's just that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, bad luck, that's a lot of what hockey is. I think at times, I mean, what, what can you do? You know, I mean, I don't know what you can do, but I thought the Penguins' first period was pretty atrocious, if you ask me. Um, it was bad. I think that's a uh, that's a good way to put it. Uh, they were just being out, outshot, outchanced in every possible way. I think the shot attempts for the first period were 21-9 to 9 in favor of the Lightning. The shots, the Penguins, they almost doubled up the Penguins on shots, I think, for the first period. It was bad. But then for the final 40 minutes, uh, the Penguins played – uh, very, very well, I thought. Uh, they were actually taking it to the Lightning, you know, the, showing that the Lightning definitely played last night. They were a little fatigued. Um, Evgeny Malkin, of course, got the power play goal. That is now two games in a row with a power play goal for the Penguins. So, you know, it's baby steps, baby steps. I like that Sidney Crosby was taking a one-timer. He don't really see him do that, I think, that often. But you know what? You take it. Yeah, I think I think that was fine. You know, it, and of course, the rebound spits out to Evgeny Malkin. He buries it. Um, one nothing going into the intermission. Then, of course, Tampa scores on one of their power plays. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev from the point. Uh, seeing eye shot, Matt Murray really had no chance on that. He just didn't see it. And speaking of Matt Murray, um, I thought he was absolutely outstanding um, last night against the Lightning. Uh, you know, that's another really, really strong start. Um, I felt bad for him in this game, especially with the barrage that he faced in the first period. Keeping the game scoreless, keeping the Penguins in a position to win this game. And he did make some strong saves in the second and third periods. When Tampa was getting their um, their shots on net, he was he was just strong all night, looking big in his net, squaring up the shooters. Um, he's just he's playing like the Matt Murray that we saw in the 2016-2017 playoff runs, and that's a scary sight right now. I think um, if you were to um, have a like I said, if you were to have like a debate as to who should start Game One, I think Murray is probably the guy right now. But you know, you could easily still go to Tristan Jari. But there's also still you know 25 games left somewhere around there. So there's still time. You never know what happens. But right now, over these probably these last 10 games, I think Matt Murray has been outplaying Tristan Jari. And that's not to say that Tristan Jari is playing bad. Not to say that at all. He's been very, very good. Stole them the game against the Panthers, that's for sure. He's going to get a lot more starts uh, going forward. But still, I really, really liked the effort uh, from Murray last night. I just thought he was spectacular. Uh, Both goals were really not to blame. Um, The third period, um, the Penguins were just hitting post after post after post. And let's not forget, I tweeted this during the game. I have no idea how Andre Vasilevsky made that uh, save on the two-on-one in the second period with Brian Rust. 
that was just unbelievable. I think he got a little bit of a piece of with his blocker, when then which hit the crossbar of the post, and then of course the puck stays out. Um, Andre Vasilevsky is just not from this planet. He is, you know, he showed why he's one of the top five best goaltenders in the league at this moment. I think. I mean, my personally, my personal opinion, I think he's definitely in the top five. He's paid like it. He plays like it. He's found his groove, and he's just he's damn good. And I think people need to um, just just recognize at this point. You know, he he was a big reason, of course, as to why Tampa won the game last night. But yeah, the Penguins are just getting you know no posts, you know no puck luck at whatever you know just hitting. Two posts, I think another one was a crossbar in the third period. They were beating Vasilevsky with those shots, but they just weren't going in. Uh, I love the play that Dominic Simone had late in the third period with about less than five minutes left, drawing that penalty. Could have had a case to draw a penalty shot, but you know how NHL officials feel about calling penalty shots in this league at the moment. They don't really do it a lot. <laughs> no, that's, that's for certain. They do it usually once in a blue moon because... Uh, for some reason, they don't like to call them. I don't not understand why. I've never understood why. And yeah, that, that's that, I think. But on um, that power play, the Penguins weren't able to do anything. You know, that's kind of a moment where you want to slam the door shut, I think. Want to try to kick the league. But, you know, Tampa had a really, really good PK. Um, 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 just, you know, props to them. And, of course, the final two and a half minutes, you know, they were just kind of playing for overtime, I thought. But then the overtime came. Wow, man, the Penguins were just... They, I think they had, um, they had, they had three Tampa skaters out there probably for over a minute and a half to two minutes, just skating in circles around them. And then um, the the big thing that I hated was I don't know why Malkin and, and Rust kind of stayed on there too long and they tried to beat them, just going right at them. You know, when you have three tired guys on the ice like that, you know, take the puck out of the zone. You know, don't let them change and then come in, do your thing, and then score. You know, if they probably would have done that. You know, I think there's a good chance that they would think I think they would have won the game. That's where I think they messed up. And then uh, the Tampa, of course, was able to get the puck. They were stopped on the two on one. But I think someone, I think it was McCann that went off the ice, or um, might have been Rust. Uh, someone, I think they were to get off the ice, and then someone came on, and someone came off really quick, which led to another odd man rush. And then um, Yanni Gord um, won the uh, won the game. For Tampa, and um, yeah, I think apparently that was his first goal in 35 games. I did not know that, you know, which kind of explains his uh, his little Stanley Cup celebration that he had on the ice. Good lord, dude! It's like it's like guy scores for his first goal in 35 games. It's like he won the Stanley Cup. I just I found that really funny, just the way he uh, celebrated that goal. It's like okay, it's just a regular season game here. You don't need to celebrate like you just scored in Game Seven of a Stanley Cup final or just a regular playoff series. So, eh, you know what? I don't want to sound like a fool here, but. Yeah, it was just a nice shot over Matt Murray, uh, his shoulder, top shelf, and nothing really he can do about that. Um, and you know what? The Penguins had tired guys on the ice, but the Lightning did too. They were able to switch them, and they were had a, they had a couple odd man rushes, and that's what happens. I think for the overtime, I think they led in shots 2-1, to one, despite the Penguins being um, just t- harassing them on the other end of the ice for basically the first half of the overtime. The Penguins only mustered. One shot, that's a bit unacceptable. Um, I know Sidney Crosby was trying to make some magic happen. I would have liked to see um, him go out there with Jason Zucker, who I thought had a really, really strong game, um, even though he doesn't seem to think so. I saw the interview after the game where he was basically like, well, yeah, you know, I thought I played horrible. My hands were bad, blah, 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 blah. I'll get better next game. You know, I thought I thought he looked really good. But, you know, we'll get to that um, in the next segment. But, yeah, I just I thought Malkin and Russ were just trying to do too much in the overtime and it cost them. And you know what? That, you know what? That happens sometimes. Three on three is sometimes a crapshoot. Um, you, you have three. You hit three posts in a game. You, you run into a hot goalie in Andre Vasilevsky, a hot team in Tampa. I know they're without two of their best players. Um, but still, 
That was a game that probably the Penguins probably should have won. I think they deserved to win the game. I thought they were the better team for uh, 40, at least 40 minutes of that game. Uh, definitely, the, and well, actually, if you include the first two minutes of the overtime. So I think about the first 42, uh, the last 42 minutes of the game, I thought they were the better team. And you know what? Sometimes you don't get the result, but still you're getting points. You know, the three points behind the Caps, though the Islanders are starting to creep up again. Two points behind the Penguins. And but also the schedule now lightens up a little bit. Thankfully, these next couple games, you get Montreal this Friday, who's up out without Shea Weber for the next four to six weeks. And boy, that could have been uglier if, um, if uh, Nick Kiprios' report was accurate, but it looks like it's not. And then they will play the, the worst team in the league on Sunday in the Detroit Red Wings before a home and home with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then I believe they go to, they have Buffalo at home. So yeah, you know, not the, really the end of the world here, folks, for the Penguins. All right, so also last night, I also thought that, you know, Jason Zucker, of course, made his Penguins debut. You know, some people had some really funny tweets, you know, putting the uh, the, uh, the nut sign and, you know, just some memes. I thought that was really, really funny, of course. But um, in all honesty, you know, if we're going to look at his game, I thought he played really, really well. Um, I was curious that they started Zucker and Crosby with Hornquist, considering um, I don't think Hornquist, like, He's just not at the age in his career where he can keep up, I think, with Sidney Crosby and, and someone like Jason Zucker. And Hornquist has had a pretty decent season. You know, when healthy, he scored. He's scoring. Um, usually, he's doing his thing around the net. He hasn't scored in a little bit, though, with, but he has in spurts this season. He, I think he's been fine most games. But I think at this point in his career, he's not a top-line player. Mike Sullivan eventually took him off the top line and replaced him with Dominic Simone. And then the line looked really, really good. This is why um, Mike Sullivan and Sidney Crosby are such massive fans of Dominic Simone. His playmaking ability all night with Zucker and Crosby was awesome. He was getting the puck to Zucker. He was getting the puck to Crosby. Crosby was also trying to make magic happen with Zucker. And, you know, I I like that line going forward. I think they're going to have that line. Um, until potentially, you know, they maybe they switch it up. I'm not really sure, but I, I don't. They, I don't know why they tr- decided to start Simone on the fourth line. They never really do that, and I was a little surprised to see. But in Mike Sullivan fashion, I knew he was going to uh, bring him up uh, at some point. You know, he, he loves Dominic Simone for a reason. Sidney Crosby likes playing with Dominic Simone for a reason. You saw last night why that line was buzzing in the second and third periods. But for Zucker specifically, um, I thought he had some really, really good chances. I think it was um, on, I think, the second power play unit. He actually um, had a shot from about the middle of the ice, about, I don't know, 25 feet away. Really nice save. Um, drove to that a couple times. Got some good chances. Um, he said, Zucker, like I said, Zucker said after the game, well, I handled the puck like a grenade. You know, I, I thought he was actually perfectly fine. You know, I didn't really see a problem um, with his game. I thought defensively he looked good. But, you know, the biggest thing I think that stands out is his speed. I mean, wow, is he fast. And I've read, uh, I've talked to a couple people, you know, people have said to me, you know, he looks like a younger Pascal Dupuis. I could definitely see it. But, of course, you know, with a better goal scoring ability because he's he does put up more production, I think, than Pascal Dupuis ever did. But yeah, I can definitely see the similarities in how they play and how they're both really, really fast um, and how they have a good shot. Um, they're both defensively responsible. Um, you know, I'm going to be curious to see how uh, Crosby and Zucker mesh uh, going forward. Um, it looks like, you know, they were, uh, Zucker said after the game, they were really talking about the on the iPad. They're just trying to figure things out. You know, it's always a feeling out process at first when, you know, when you come from an, a team like Minnesota, who is obviously not as offensively gifted as the Penguins to um, yeah, to the new team, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a feeling out process. So it's not the end of the world. You know, I saw some really funny tweets last night. Kaylin Addison would have scored by now. Alex Galchenik would have scored by now. And, uh, 
Apparently, Alex Galchenyuk actually had 11 minutes of ice time last night for the Minnesota Wild. So, you know what? Good on him. Good for um, Bruce Boudreaux for playing him. That's actually really, really good news. But, um, yeah, I just I really liked his game. I liked uh, Crosby's game last night. And, like I said, when Simone was bumped up there, that line was just great. Um, I, I loved the scoring chances that they created. I loved the, the penalty that Simone drew, which probably could have been a penalty shot, you could have argued. He was getting a lot of good chances all night. Simone just does a lot of those little things well that no one really talks about. Man, his, some of his slick passing and all that, his playmaking ability – Man, it just it goes like under the radar and just like his defensive play as well. I just like I've said so many times, and I'll say it again right now, like I just said a couple minutes ago. It's no wonder why Sidney Crosby likes playing with him and why Mike Sullivan likes putting Simone on Crosby's line. It's not hard to see. I know, you know, he drives people nuts sometimes. He has driven me nuts sometimes too, but you know, it's not hard to see. But um Defensively, you know, they were definitely feeling the loss of Dumoulin and Marino last night again, uh, giving up 21 shot attempts in the first period. Um, that's unacceptable. But also, you know, you're playing with the hand that you're dealt, you know, two of your top four defensemen are out. Hopefully they can get Brian Dumoulin back in a timely manner. Um, I think what I'm going to be talking about soon is maybe in the next segment, I think they may have to go out and get a rental defenseman uh, from some team. Um, I think the Penguins are... My estimations, the cap friendly I looked at, I think they're going to have $4 million in cap space with Jake Ensel on LTIR. So you can absorb a contract. You know, you don't have to, you know, dump a sal- another salary like you did with Galchenyuk to make Zuckerberg, even though it's only about, what, $600 more thousand dollars added to your cap. So um, you can fit another contract in. Just make sure it's not like highly, highly priced. But also, um, Jim Rutherford did say he is going to make that decision um, within, I believe, 48 hours of the trade deadline, he said. I think he was talking to Rob Rossi on Monday, and he's like, yeah, we're not going to make any rash decisions until we know where they stand. So it sounds like they're probably uh, going to get a checkup on Dumoulin and Marino probably in the next couple of weeks also as the deadline is 12 days away. Um, but yeah, I just, um, who else? I thought Chris Letang looked pretty good last night. Um, I know being next to Jack Johnson is not good, but also I think we really need to talk about is Yusso Ricola. Um, Jesse Marshall, great friend, a really great writer of The Athletic. He's going to be on this podcast really soon. Hint, hint. I'm going to try to get him on hopefully uh, maybe by the end of this week, maybe, maybe next week to talk some trade talk, talk about you know th- this top subject in particular. Like I said, shout out to Jesse Marshall. Um, he had a really, really good tweet this morning about how Yusso Ricola um, has been playing. So when he's been in the um, – so the last month that he's been in the lineup. So his possession relative to teammates in the tweet says it's plus 12%, which is best on the team. That's really, really good. So his possession is – when he's with relative to teammates has gone up. His um, scoring chances for percentage has gone up plus 20%, which is first. And then the goals for percentage relative to teammates plus 21%. Um, I like I, I echo Jesse's tweet. I do not understand why Sullivan has been hesitant to play Ricola. Those are outstanding numbers. Like I said, that leads the team. I did not realize that he's been that good the past month for the Penguins. And I just and I even asked the question in this morning. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask him that question when he comes on the podcast. 
Should he be in the lineup when this team defense is fully healthy? And I think you can make an argument for it. You know, obviously they're going to go Dumoulin Latang. They're going to go Pedersen Marino. They're going to have hopefully Schultz on the bottom pairing. And then you have that left side to figure out. Sure, you could go Jack Johnson. That's probably what they'll do knowing the coaching staff. But I think, like I said, there is a very, very good case, like she said as well, to have Yusso Rikla on the top pairing when his underlying numbers and his possession numbers are are that good. Um, I think he should probably be in the lineup over Johnson, in my opinion, um, especially with those numbers. I think he brings more offense. He's not a defensive black hole like Jack Johnson does. Um, he doesn't bring uh, down his teammates relative to possession and scoring chances for percentage and all that like Jack Johnson does. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but I really like Brikula's game these past couple of games that he's been in the lineup. Um, he's looked really good like Rudo on his regular side. And, you know, hopefully he's playing for a place in the lineup. Um, I, I think that th that would be a really interesting way uh, if, when the defense is fully healthy, if they give him a shot. If they give him a shot in spite of Jack Johnson, like I said, I don't expect him to get that shot. But, you know, you never know. He could play himself into that, and that would be awesome. You know, he's, he's, he's been more he's been more than serviceable this season, which has just been, you know, excellent to have. He's He's been a really good, solid bottom-pairing defenseman. And, you know, like I said, I, th I hope that he can get a shot to um, be in the everyday lineup once the defense hopefully gets healthy. Now, if the defense does not get healthy, this is where it's going to get interesting. Um, uh, Elliot Friedman uh, had his 31 thoughts today. It doesn't really look like he had too much on defensemen, though um, there, there was the trade bait board that came out a, a few days ago, I think from uh, Craig Custance, I believe, that had the 2.0. Has some defensemen on there that the Penguins could absorb, i.e. maybe a Brendan Dillon. I think his cap hit... Is really not that big. I think it's below four million. He'd be a fine pairing on the uh, a fine defenseman on the third pairing. Left-handed shot, so you can put him on the left, uh, hit, uh, left, of course, on the left uh, side of the ice. So I'm like fumbling my words here, but I think that would be a good add. You know, you could look at Alec Martinez. Um, though I looked at his some of his uh, underlying numbers, they're not really as good as Brendan Dillon. Um, I also saw this morning, uh, actually courtesy of Ryan Wilson from Hockey Buzz, who wrote a couple, another good um, target to maybe go after is Marco Scandella and his underlying numbers this season, both in Buffalo, who is who are just an absolute mess, and Montreal. His underlying numbers are actually pretty, pretty good, and that's surprising considering that Buffalo is an abs absolutely horrible team this year, both offensively and in their own zone, and then Montreal, of course, is not that good. And, oh, yeah, they just lost uh, Shea Weber for the next six weeks. And you know, at this point, I don't even know if you want him to come back, considering that the Habs are just – they're not even going to make the playoffs this season. Uh, there's just, they're probably going to settle the deadline, though. How much will they sell? I'm not sure. I would, if I were Jim Rutherford, I'd maybe give a call about Marco Scandella. You could probably get him for a pick. Um, I, don't, you're not, I mean, I know they don't have a first or second round pick in this year's draft, but I don't think you're going to need one of those two to trade for Scandella. Um, like I said, saw uh, Brendan Dillon um, in the uh, – uh, trade bay 2.0 there's trevor daly is out there but his cap hit is a bit much yes i know he knows the system but are his legs good still he's kind of gotten a little bit older these last couple years he kind of started to go downhill um in the uh the second cup run he was really really good um in that first one of course his skating and everything was just awesome but the next year um it kind of went a little just it kind of started to go downhill but then of course um, he went up. He wound up getting paid by the Red Wings, and I think they're probably going to try to move him for a draft pick. I'm sure someone will take on Trevor Daly's contract, but you never know. It's going to be hard for Steve Eiserman to make moves, considering just how bad uh, that team is. Um, I'm trying to think of other options for defense. Um, 
Um, Sammy Vatnin's on the market, but he's also a right hand. I think he's. A, I think you believe he's a right-handed shot. I can. Uh, the fact that I don't even know that he's a right-handed shot. That's actually a pretty. Uh, it's actually pretty pathetic. I actually do not know that he is a. Uh, right-handed and okay yeah my memory serves me correct i had to double check so i don't i really want to wouldn't want to put him on my on the offside and besides i don't really think the devils would um trade with the penguins at this point i think they're more interested in mostly hockey deals anyway i'm just going honestly through the list right now of the uh the trade uh board josh manson though elliot freeman did say though today that I don't, he doesn't think the ducks are going to move a lot of their core players like ricard raquel manson lindholm cam fowler apparently he said like you would have to really move the needle there for them to move him which is you know expected um bob murray um unless he probably gets a crazy offer um, i don't think he would do it um jeff petrie uh, i don't really see montreal doing that he's also a right-handed shot so uh, I don't really, put, I don't really want to put him on his offside either. And then, you know, Andy Green, he's a left-handed shot, but he's also kind of old and he's not really that good anymore. So like I said, a lot of the defensive market is not that good for the trade board this year. But I think a couple that I would look at, especially like Ryan Wilson said, Marco Scandella, his underlying numbers have been really good. Um, has actually put up some a little bit of offense this season. And then I think Brendan Dillon would not be bad either, um, especially with his cap hit. I think the Penguins could be able to absorb that cap hit um, relatively easily. They will just have to give up a draft pick or a prospect for it or whatever. But um, that's if, that's if of course, if um, Dumoulin and Marino are not on schedule. But, you know, the Jim Rutherford is going to make this decision within uh, 48 hours of the deadline. So not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday. It sounds like it's when Jim is probably going to meet with his staff, the scouts and all that, and be like, okay, let's get the plan going and whatnot. So um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We'll have another episode coming tomorrow. Uh, I may preview the game against Montreal on Friday, and then I'll have another episode Friday where we uh, talk about the game um, after the game and whatnot, recap how the Penguins played, and then also preview the game on Sunday, which is Hockey Day in America, and the Penguins will play at 12 o'clock against the Red Wings on national TV on NBC. So uh, thank you, like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, hopefully the Penguins can start creeping up on the Capitals a little bit more. The Capitals are not playing that good of hockey right now. And so if the Capitals potentially lose tomorrow night, I think they're actually in Colorado. The Penguins have an opportunity to potentially get within a point of the Capitals on Friday against the Montreal Canadiens. But they have to lose in regulation first. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we will talk to you all tomorrow.